We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. This is an emergency podcast because we have just reached the 4 p.m. franchise tag deadline and it was a pretty hectic afternoon on Giants Twitter among Giants Nation for Giants fans because the Giants took this bad boy right down to the actual wire with a deal reported for Daniel Jones literally six minutes. I looked at my clock. 354, six minutes before the deadline. At the same time, it was a double move because the Giants then franchise tagged Saquon Barkley subsequently. That they wouldn't have been able to do without first signing Daniel Jones to a deal because they would have had to use the franchise tag on Jones. So buzzer beater for the Giants. The early numbers are not official, but this is what we have so far. These numbers are not something you should take you know, as anything more than, well, more than a grain of salt because they're worth something. They're probably going to be close to what it actually is, but they're not official and they can change. And we don't know the incentive structure structure. And we do know that Daniel Jones signed a four year, $160 million deal, which would get him to the 40 million AAV number. That magic number is agents wanted to get to at the very least. The giants reportedly started around 36 million Jones's camp reportedly started around 48 million. So they did somewhat meet in the middle here, a little bit closer to the giant side, but there is also 35 million in incentives tied to this contract upside for Daniel Jones. So that number could rise if he reaches all those incentives to what 35 times uh, over four, almost another, 10 million what, what would that be almost another 10 million per year be a little less than 10 yeah. yeah so it could rise to f- like 49 million aav if he reaches all his incentives i don't think the number will get lower we have also heard from tom pelicero so far that daniel jones has 82 million dollars guaranteed in just the first two years of this contract that's the early numbers we have so far four years 160 to recap 35 million in additional upside for jones and incentives that could reach up to 50 million aav and then obviously 82 million guaranteed in the first two years nick what are your initial thoughts on this giants beating the buzzer Giants signing daniel jones to a four-year deal instead of going with the franchise tag and did you have any kind of visceral reaction to the report you read because i did a few minutes before this all happened that daniel jones agency used a really hard line with the giants and said if we don't get this deal done by the franchise tag deadline we will not talk to you again until july I don't think I had a visceral report. I was just like, okay, things are getting real, right? But I, I would imagine that this new agency that is representing Daniel Jones was going to do that for him. He left CAA because they weren't aggressive enough, reportedly. 
now you have this new agency. They're going to ensure that you get paid. You want to talk about an opportunistic person, one Daniel Jones, right? Because Daniel Jones, if you were to say last year at this time, Dan, that he was just given a four-year, $160 million total deal, we would have called you freaking insane. But the Giants had this really great season. They went to the playoff. They won a playoff game. And now Daniel Jones has earned that. Look, I don't think we've lied to anybody on this podcast, Dan. That's a lot of freaking money for Daniel Jones. There's still a lot of aspects of Daniel Jones's game that I feel like he has to prove in order for me to feel comfortable with that amount of money. I like Daniel Jones, but I like Daniel Jones more on a rookie contract. But I also understand that what is the alternative to Daniel Jones? Are you just going to blow everything up? Do you think that Daniel Jones can grow and develop into a elite level quarterback? I mean, I guess it seems like the Giants brass believe that at this point, right? Because you wouldn't allocate that much of your money towards Daniel Jones if you didn't believe he had the ceiling of some of the top quarterbacks in the league. Maybe not the Patrick Mahomes and players like that, but still a very good quarterback who can consistently win. So far through his career, he hasn't proven that. Yeah, and I totally understand that. And for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you might see from time to time Nick or I look at our phone, look down at our phone or up at this other monitor because we're recording this basically just after news is broken and we're just waiting for more details on the contract and we want to hit them live if they come. We don't want this to sound too dated. It's hard to do an instant reaction without it being a little bit dated because the numbers will change. But, you know, I view this contract, Nick, as a massive big time win for Daniel Jones's agents and Daniel Jones's agent's side. Um, and Daniel Jones, from a financial standpoint, I mean, look, they found a way to get Daniel Jones to be a $40 million per year AAV quarterback when we just saw Geno Smith sign for a lot less. And I understand Geno Smith is 32 years old, but on film, when they matched up against each other, Geno Smith looked like a clear tier ahead of Jones last year, if we're going to be honest about the film that we saw Giants versus Seahawks last year. Now, I know he has DK Metcalf. I know he has Tyler Lockett, but that's not why he looked better on tape. He was throwing more anticipation on a way more consistent basis. He was throwing into tight windows, tough spots, challenging outside the numbers, all things we need to see from Daniel Jones for him to live up to this contract. So for them to get to 40 million when Gino's making 25, it's a massive win. We thought that, you know, look, the franchise number is 32 million. Giants wanted to pay him 35. That's where they felt they were at. They rose all the way to 40. They wanted to get the deal done. And I think part of this is they believe Daniel Jones could become like you said, Nick, that franchise quarterback, that Patrick, that tier below Patrick Mahomes level with better receivers, better line, with a better understanding of the system. But I think a bigger part of this is also that, you know, guess what? Joe Shane didn't want to walk into free agency with a $32 million franchise tag on Daniel Jones, which would give him no salary cap flexibility for this free agency, even if he doesn't want to spend big in free agency. And he's not going to, but even if he doesn't, he still needs to have some room to make some moves, another Glowinski move from here and there, maybe two Glowinski moves in an offseason, then a few depth pieces on the back end so they're not stuck like they were last year with no defensive line depth and rotation, with no corner rep depth and reputation, no linebacker depth and rotation. They need all of those things. They need cap flexibility so they were working against that too Shane knew if he didn't come to an agreement with a deal here before this deadline they tagged Jones they lose their flexibility and Saquon Barkley hits the open market so while I did think earlier in this process maybe Joe Shane was the guy who was playing hardball who had the leverage it turns out in the end Daniel Jones side was playing bar ball. Daniel Jones' side had the leverage, and they beautifully used their leverage to get this deal done for Daniel Jones and for the Giants. Four years, $160 million starting numbers we know now. $35 million additional in, uh, in upside. $82 million guaranteed in just the first two years. A great job all around, I think, by his camp to get that deal done for, like you said, a quarterback who still has a lot to prove in our eyes as a passer. Now, here's the thing with Daniel Jones, Nick. While he has a lot to prove as a passer, would you, would you agree with this statement? Because I think this is the good news and the upside from, from the Giants' standpoint, even after they paid him more to what he want. 
despite having room to grow as a passer, he did produce at a level last season that puts him among probably the 10, 12 most impactful quarterbacks in the NFL in 2022 because he did other things to produce offense, specifically with his legs. Absolutely. I think it's hard to deny that, right? But when we're looking at Daniel Jones right now, you have to take into account what he's done in his past. He had a lot of injuries early on throughout his career. When you're a running quarterback, you're more subject to be injured, obviously, right? That's one, I would say, concern that I have when you're looking at how Brian Dable called his offense. What I want from Daniel Jones is a quarterback, like we've said, who throws with anticipation, who uses every inch of the field, who will attack every single inch of the field. We have not seen that. If you're getting paid this much money, you need to start evaluating Daniel Jones like all of the other quarterbacks who are getting paid massive contracts. How have we evaluated him? It's all been, how good is this kid? Is he going to sign a second contract? Now that he is on that second contract, and that second contract is $40 million a year, that's the level we need to start evaluating him from. That's the lens, the prism that we need to start looking at him. And I haven't seen yet a $40 million quarterback from Daniel Jones. I like Daniel Jones, okay? I'm not trying to foment the fan base. I'm not trying to be a Daniel Jones hater like some people would say. I think that is ridiculous and it's childish and it's stupid. I'm just telling you what I see on tape. And we're talking about passing the football. There are still so many things that Daniel Jones has to prove to, to everybody, not just me, not just this idiot, to, to justify $40 million a year. But I also understand this is the trend right now. And he had a lot of leverage and he was very opportunistic right. in terms of striking when the iron was hot. If the Giants wanted to build around him. They had to pay him right now. And you had that Saquon Barkley thing just hanging over Joe Shane's head. And that did not help the situation at all either. Yeah, you're right. The leverage was there. Daniel Jones camp took well advan great advantage of it and got him a contract that was excellent. I mean, look, from their side of it, I think they did an incredible job because we can look at it and understand that a contract is a projection, Nick. It really is. Like the Giants are making this projection of what Jones can become. Because like you said, once you pay him the 160 over four with the 35 million incentives, 82 million guaranteed first two years, you are saying that we are now limiting our salary cap space for other players for the rest of this duration of this contract, because that's the truth of it. So now, like you said, he has to be more of a reason why the Giants are making it to a Super Bowl or making a Super Bowl run and not, you know, getting mollywhopped by the Eagles in the divisional round. Because you can look at it one way and say the Giants were one of the final eight teams, or you could look at it the wise way and the right way and say the Giants were not really one of the final eight teams. By definition, they were one of the final eight, but they weren't competitive for even through the first quarter against the Philadelphia Eagles in that divisional playoff game. They were not. They had no chance to win that game. Nothing could have changed it. They were completely out of it as if a team was 4-12 and 12 on the year playing that day. And that's the sad truth of it because, look, it's hard to admit, but it's truth. And that's okay. They were in year one of a rebuild after Dave Gettleman tarnished the entire roster with burnt draft picks from round two, round ones. Every day, three pick was burned. Multiple day twos like Sam Beal and other idiotic picks. Horrible free agent contracts. No salary cap space. They weren't expected to compete with the Eagles. But now that they've allocated $40 million toward the quarterback position per year with a chance to go to more, Again, remember, that wasn't the case last year. Daniel Jones was playing on $8 million against the cap. Now it's $40 million against the cap. So now he has to take a much bigger share of the Giants' success and a reason for the Giants' success than he ever has. You got to pass the football in the league. I respect everything that he does running the football. I love his toughness. I love the fact that the team is galvanized by him, yes. despite the fact that he kind of has this little like Southern personality that's, that's um, not really bombastic or anything like that, right? In terms of throwing the football, he the most touchdown passes he's ever thrown was that rookie season where most of it was done in garbage time. 
right? He threw like what, 15 touchdown passes in the regular season this year? 15 and five, I think is what he was. One of his four seasons of his career has he thrown more touchdowns than games played in only one season. That was the rookie season. Yeah, and I think entering this season, he played in what, 50 career games and he had 49 turnovers? Yes. Just this one year, he was able to not turn the football over. And now the Giants are like, hey, here's a bunch of money, which is okay. I understand it. Like, look, the cap is going to go up. I get that. And, and like, I said, performance, hopefully. Yes. And you're paying for future performance. I'm not certain if that future performance is going to come if you just add a number one wide receiver. We yeah. need to see progression from the mental side from Daniel Jones in order for that performance to come. He needs to start throwing with anticipation, throwing receivers open. He needs to start recognizing that. The defense is leaving half the field open for him to attack. So right. attack the field freaking side. And I'm not really pissed about this. I'm not fuming at the fact that Daniel Jones got paid. I figured this would happen. But man, you got to start evaluating him now through a different lens. And when we're being critical of Daniel Jones because he's not doing those things, if he does not do those things, I feel like that is absolutely completely fair. He is not playing, like you said, on $8 million anymore. This is $40 million a year. That is a freaking lot of money. It really is. And there is a short-term floor and ceiling for Jones if he continues to play like he did in 2022. You can become a team that grinds, a team that wins nine or 10 and might make a one-win playoff run. But if you want to be a perennial Super Bowl contender and you look at Jones and say, he's 25, he can make all the throws, he can run, his pocket presence greatly improved, his ability to escape the pocket and make plays outside the pocket greatly improved, all true things about Daniel Jones, all things to get excited about. But you also have to factor in that there is no long-term ceiling if Jones doesn't evolve as a quarterback. There just is not. You cannot, in, in your mind, Nick, as you just eloquently broke down, and in my mind as well, and we are staying true to this, we are gung-ho on this, we will not move off this. A rush-first quarterback has no consistent Super Bowl ceiling in this offense or in this NFL. If you don't have the ability to throw with anticipation on a much, much more consistent basis than Daniel Jones currently has, and then also threaten outside the numbers, threaten the field side. But for me, Nick, it really starts with the first thing, throw with anticipation, because everyone looks at that Giants-Eagles game and says to me, every Jones, you know, all the Jones, the Jones or die type people, the people who are just so set on, you know, Daniel Jones, the greatest thing of all time. All you have to do is get him receivers and an O-line. He's going to be like elite. Some people are even now saying he's as good as Mahomes if you just get him receivers and O-line. That side of it, which we find ridiculous, to be completely honest, and I'm sorry to be frank with you if you're on that yes. side, but it's the truth. That's how we feel. We not we may not be right, but this is how we feel. But on that side of it, the thing is this. If that's the case and Jones can get to that level, the only way he gets to that level is by throwing with anticipation on consistent basis. Because everyone says, that side of it says, look at the Eagles game. Look at the Eagles game. He was sacked all these times. He was pressured all these times. Guess what? There's a reason that same plan didn't work against the Chiefs for the Eagles. And it was not just because of the Chiefs offensive line. That was 20% of it. 80 to 90 to 95 freaking percent of it or all 99. I don't care. Was just Mahomes getting rid of the football fast. The ball was out. Watch that Super Bowl tape. Rewatch it on NFL Network. Go watch that game. The ball was out of Mahomes fast every single snap hands fast every single snap because he knew where to go with the football. He anticipated where to go to football and he attacked areas of the field with the football early and quick, not just slant flat, not just over the middle of the field. When Daniel Jones got rid of the football fast in, in 2022, when he started to throw the ball and they started to move to shotgun based offensive giants, it was all over the middle slants, flats, easy one read stuff. When Mahomes was doing it in the Super Bowl against the Eagles, that great pass rush, it was all areas of the field because he understands he, he sees the entire field so well and he anticipates the entire field so well. And so the only real way to get there is through anticipation. 
Guess what doesn't matter as much when you can throw with anticipation on a consistent basis? Offensive line play. It's negated massively when you can throw with anticipation. And you know what else doesn't matter as much? Receivers. That one less so. The receivers still matter a little bit more. But O-line, you can negate an O-line. To, to a massive extent. Now, it doesn't mean you can have a desperately bad O-line, but you can have a middling O-line if you throw with anticipation on a consistent basis. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And when you're Patrick Mahomes and you're a quarterback who throws to every inch of the field, the defense has to defend every inch of the field. Right. Look at how the Eagles were defending the Giants in that divisional game. Yep. They were sitting on every single small curl, any route like that. They were just sitting and squatting on it. And that's how James Bradbury came away with that interception. They blitzed that strong side linebacker right through the B gap and he was untouched. But Jones threw hot. That's what he's taught. But in throwing hot, he threw it directly to James Bradbury because James Bradbury was essentially, it was like a trap almost, right? James Bradbury was like, he's going to throw this. I believe it was a quarter's coverage, but he knew that that's what the Giants do in those situations. When you're playing the Chiefs, when you're playing a lot of these other quarterbacks who are getting paid north of $40 million, they can attack you in so many different ways. So the defense can't always just be sitting on those quick, easy routes. And I just feel like that's what a lot of defenses were doing against the Giants down the stretch of the season. Remember what the, a lot of defenses were doing against the Giants. They were playing a shit ton of cover two, right? Mm -hmm. We saw a lot of cover two. And what was it? It was the number two receiver who was Isaiah Hodgins a lot of the time. He would run that route where it would like basically curl the outside and he would sit in the flat. And then every time the defender who was the flat defender, which is the cornerback, he's not going to be dropping to a third. He's not going to be dropping to depth. He's just going to stay in the flat. He would drive down on that route. And we saw against the Colts and we saw against the Vikings, a couple just huge shots that were delivered to Isaiah Hodgins. A lot of those teams were playing cover too, because they knew that the Giants didn't really attack vertically and they didn't necessarily attack the sidelines. So we can yeah. give up those little honey holes. We can give up those soft spots in the zones because the New York Giants aren't going to throw the football there because Daniel Jones is a little hesitant to do so. So those are little aspects against certain coverages that I need to see Daniel Jones take that next step. He possibly can, right, Dan? I'm not saying that he can't, but now that you're getting paid that money, man, we got to see it. We got to see it next year because if it's not there on film, I'm going to have a real problem with that contract. <laughs> Of course, he needs to become a much better anticipatory thrower against zone coverage specifically. It's overall, but it's specifically against zone coverage. He really hasn't been good against zone coverage at any point in his career, dating back to his rookie season when all of his best numbers came against man coverage and all of his poor games came against the zone heavy teams and the teams that were using different zone coverages. And part of that is what you just said, Nick. These teams are not afraid to leave the sideline open in zone because he's not taking advantage of it enough. And that 
maybe will help with receivers, but mostly this is on the quarterback. Okay. That's what this comes down to. I like Jones. I like the idea of bringing him back. I did not want to let him go walk and start Tyrod Taylor because I do think there is a possibility that Jones can become a great quarterback for the giants, but a possibility is not a guarantee. So now it's on him and he has to develop from that mental standpoint and become a completely different processor of this game post snap. And when you become a better processor, you start to throw the anticipation more because you start to be able to trust where you're going to be throwing the football and where, you know, because you don't really need to, the, the goal is to throw the ball before the receiver gets out of the break, right? The goal is to understand the coverage so well that you know where that receiver is going to get you. You know the spot he's going to get to. You throw to that spot and you beat the coverage to that spot. That's something we haven't seen with any kind of consistency in his career yet. Case can be made. It's all the fault of the O line. It's all the fault of the bad coaching of the past, the receivers. But in my mind, 90% of this is on the quarterback, and he's going to have to do a much better job there. I'm right there with you, Dan. But either way, like, I'm a happy Daniel Jones is coming back to be the Dang. Giants quarterback. Like, it sounds like Dan and I are probably pessimistic and we're Jones haters and all that other bullshit. No, we're not. It's, it's not that. No, I'm happy that Daniel Jones is coming back. But I think we have to acknowledge the reality of the situation that this is a lot of money. And in a couple of years, if this doesn't work out, if we don't see these steps that Dan and I have been talking about for weeks now, if we don't see that progression, this contract is going to look bad and we're going to be bitching about it. I think we both were resigned to whatever it was going to be is what it's going to be. But we're not in the camp of, you know, the, um, you know, the content creators you got, you'll see out there who are just celebrating any move the team makes. And they're celebrating this contract as if it's like some kind of steal for the Giants. No, this was a win for the Giants for Daniel Jones agents. Make no mistake of it. That doesn't yeah. mean it's going to be a bad contract for the Giants at all, because if he breaks out and becomes the quarterback, Dable and Shane think he can be. And that's the main reason for me. The main reason I'm happy with this contract is simply put, I trust Brian Dable and his thoughts on quarterbacks and his, and if, and, and more so a little bit chain, but more so Dable, right? Nick, for me, it's yeah. like 90% Dable, 80%, 75% Dable. And if he's telling Shane, we can do this, we can give him a shot. Let's give him that four-year multi-year deal with a ton of guaranteed money and big AAV and incentives to make it even more. Well, that tells me that Dable believes in him. And that's number one for me, why I'm excited about the idea to re-sign Jones to this four-year deal. It's that. The one thing that would scare me on the flip side, and we can get into this now, is I don't necessarily buy the 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 line that Daniel Jones had a market out there. I know a lot of fans believe that. They throw out teams, teams that don't make any sense to me. The Bucks, someone said, how does that make any sense? They literally just cut their left tackle. They're clearly trying to get cap healthy and go the rookie quarterback route. The Texans, someone said to me, are you crazy? You think the Texans are in that kind of draft capital position and they're going to sign Daniel Jones to 40 million AAV and then not take a rookie quarterback? What are you, out of your mind? The Carolina Panthers, are you kidding me? David Tepper's the owner there. All he's done is take cheap gambles at quarterback. He took a rookie contract with Baker Mayfield, a rookie contract with Sam Darnold, and they drafted the kid out of Ole Miss, who I forget last year, on a rookie Matt contract. Crowell. They are no chance they're spending $40 million for the hometown hero, Daniel Jones. The Falcons, go. Get, what are you talking about? The Falcons are obviously going the rookie quarterback scale. So the only realistic teams that could have done it were the Raiders, the the, the Redskins, the Commanders, and the Jets. And I don't really know if I've seen any actual buzz that connects them. On paper, it could make sense, but is that really happening? Are they really signing Daniel Jones to a 40-plus million-dollar-per-year contract? So the only thing, a part of this I don't like. So again, I like the Shane Dable side of it, but I don't love the idea that they just kind of it didn't bid against themselves, but kind of just let the agents really swing hard here and play their hard line out and tell them, you know, if you don't sign this now, we're not going to negotiate on tech. All right, here's your $40 million AAV. I just feel like they were put in a corner, man. They were. Brian Dable and, and Joe Shane, they were forced into a corner. They didn't want to be left on, yep. in quarterback purgatory. 
which is something that the Giants haven't been in, but let's hope this contract doesn't turn into that. And I'm not saying that it will, but in two years, if Jones doesn't take those necessary steps, as I brought up a little bit earlier, this could look like a quarterback purgatory type of situation. But before we do Barkley, I want to do run one more thing. Actually, we can do Barkley and I'll run one more thing by you on the Jones front. Uh, just an overall interesting, but Barkley now franchise tagged 10 point, uh, 10, just over 10 million. So honestly, we haven't heard much on the Barkley tag front. I haven't seen a report yet that suggests Barkley won't play on the tag. I haven't really seen anything that suggests the Giants are serious about asking Saquon Barkley to play on the tag. If you ask me, Nick, <laughs> this would be sick. This would be the best option. Just sit the tag on him. Let it run out. Don't even really consider renegotiating a long-term deal and just bang, go into next offseason, move on, get one more year out of him. And then at that point, he'll be, what, 27 years old. That's enough for me at that point. Um, but I think ultimately what this means is, yeah, they have $10 million against the cap allocated to them right now on the tag, but they will use this to negotiate a contract when they can now exclusively, because the key is, from what I'm seeing right now, and I'm looking to see if there's been any updates, but from what I'm seeing right now, it seems like it was the regular franchise tag, which means not the non-exclusive, which means teams cannot negotiate with Barkley on a contract. So essentially, I think they value the ability to tag him because that means other teams can't negotiate. And what will that allow them to do, Nick? It'll allow them to renegotiate the contract without bidding against other teams, right? And so I think that's where this thing kind of leads to, which is the Giants coming a little closer to Barkley's side with something like a $13.5 million per year AAV, con AAV contract that is uh, in the works and will be signed within the next weeks or months, I think, uh, for the Giants. I would imagine it's three or four years, uh, maybe four years along the Daniel Jones lines. I think that's exactly what it is. They're still going to explore extending Saquon Barkley and making him a giant long term. I don't think this is going to be the situation where he just rides this out unless Joe Shane and Saquon Barkley, Barkley's representatives are that far apart. And I know that there's a, there's a solid distance, but I think that solid distance is a couple million. And I believe Garofolo said 13 was the number that the Giants were comfortable with. And I thought it was 12.5. We're talking about a half million difference there anyways. But we'll have to wait and see if that gets done before free agency or or how that really works out. Because that will also lower the cap hit a little bit too because I believe yeah. they would do something similar to the Jones deal where they structure some of the money uh, you know, later back in the deal to create cap space for the now. And I think it's even more so likely that they'll do this. My question to you, I'm going to pose this theory, Nick. It's something that I've been thinking about. And this is a gut feel. It's not something I would do. Remember, if it was up to me, just to make this clear, because I, I sometimes I tweet these things and people are like, really, Dan, you would do this? And I'm like, no, I said this is a gut feel for what I think they would do, the Giants would do. These are two different things, what I would do, what I think the Giants might do. So like I said, what I would do is play out the franchise tag with Barkley, make him play the year out if he's willing to, and then just move on completely. But if they do do what I ultimately think they will do, Nick, right, which is sign Barkley to a multi-year deal, maybe 13, whatever it is, 13, 13, 5 AAV, it's going to create cap space for the now. The Daniel Jones deal creates cap space for the now. I have a gut feel that they might use all of this cap space created to pursue and sign Odell Beckham Jr. on the free agent market. Why do I feel this way, Nick? I feel this way because I look at the free agent class at wide receiver and I say, there is no wide receiver one upside on this entire market outside of Odell Beckham Jr. Why would you sign somebody who could potentially be just a small step up from a Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins, Wandell Robinson, Darius Slayton type, 
when you already have those guys on your roster now, save for Slayton, who's a free agent, why would you ever consider doing that unless you're guaranteed that you at least have the upside of finding a change, difference-making, game-changing wide receiver one? And I know Odell Beckham Jr. has the injuries. I know he's older now. But I also know that if fully healthy, he actually has wide receiver one upside where everyone else on this receiver market doesn't actually have it. So their only chance to actually make a move that makes any kind of difference at receiver in free agency is Odell Beckham Jr. There is an opportunity to do that in the draft, but the draft is a crapshoot. And at pick 25 in this specific wide receiver class, I don't know that any of those guys is a difference-making day one wide receiver one. I think Zay Flowers would add a shit ton to this team if he somehow fell there. I don't really see him as a wide receiver one in, right away in 2023. Quinton Johnson is the only one you can convince me on that might be able to get there right away, but I don't think he'll be available. The rest of them, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith, and Jigbo, who I think would be potentially what I would consider a wide receiver one, even though he's a slot, is also not going to make it there after his combine. So really... You don't really have many options to do it in free agency besides Odell. You don't really have many options in the draft to do it. And I know there's risk behind Odell. So let's say you sign Odell. You take the chance of wide receiver one upside. Then you give yourself so much flexibility for the draft. Man, you are really riding on a 30-year-old wide receiver. No, I don't want them to do this. I don't want them to do this. No, I know. I know, Dan. No, I'm speaking of the on Joe Shane. If you do that, this is your one shot at being a general manager. You're tying up a lot of money in Daniel Jones, who you obviously believe in him as your quarterback. You're rolling it back with Saquon Barkley. I'm cool with that. But then going out and signing Odell Beckham Jr., who hasn't played since the Rams won the Super Bowl and he tore his ACL that same day, that's a big roll of the dice. That would be bold. It would make for fantastic content. It would be wildly entertaining to follow. But uh, I'll have to wait and see if that happens, man, because I'm... I'm just not a sure. Gut I'm Maybe I'm just too scarred by the Gettleman days because yeah. during the Gettleman days, obviously, you know, assuming that Gettleman wasn't the GM when they originally traded OBJ, let's say it was another GM during the Gettleman days. I think this would have been a move they would definitely make. It's very fan placating and it's something it they is. used to do. Um, and, and maybe I'm overthinking that I'm too scarred by it, that I'm that's still in my you know peripheral, that that type of thing can happen with the Giants. Because, and I'm not saying it would even to me, it's not even that bad of an idea. I'm, I'm, I'm open to it because I do believe what I said. I think he's the only wide receiver on the free agent market who actually has difference making upside. But for me, ultimately, Nick, I am actually in the belief of I'm not in some kind of rush at receiver. I know every fan in the history of the Giants fan base right now is in a mega rush at receiver. They're going to be so angry if we don't draft one round one or sign one in free agency to a big deal. But I'm not in any kind of rush there, to be honest. I'd rather just, you know, organically build this roster out. And to me, I actually feel like there's more talent receiver on this roster than several positions, corner linebacker uh, to some extent, interior offensive line. Like there's more talent to me at receiver than any of those positions. I would even make the case. There's more talent receiver overall than tight end. I would agree with that. Isaiah Hodgins is better than a lot of people want to give him credit for I'll say that Robinson is not just somebody to scoff at. No, no, he's not, even though he's not that true number one. It's just the fact that they don't have the true number one. And you're right. Odell Beckham has the upside to be a true number one. There is a lot of baggage that comes with Odell Beckham. Oh, yeah. But you're right about the placating to the fan base, which I do still feel like is valuable in today's just NFL industry and any really industry, right? I'm open yeah. to it if the price is right with Odell Beckham Jr. I just don't know what he's going to command. I have no idea what his market is. I'm sure there will be other teams that will have interest, but what are we talking about? AAV wise for an Odell Beckham Jr. Well, it's going to be big because like you said, there's going to be a market for him because this receiver market is horrific. Jacoby Myers might be staring down the barrel of $16 million per year on a contract as the Jacoby Myers is 
I think he's better than people give him credit for, but I, I get is, why but he's people not like a wide receiver one. Like he's basically like a rich man's Richie James to me. Like that's a bad set identical to me. To, and I'm not even sure like in every system, he's that much of a, if you put Jacoby Myers on the giants last year and took Richie James off, I am not sold that we have that much of a difference right there. If even a I, difference, I, I think Jacoby Myers is a much better player. I think than Richie, Richie James did a lot last year that people just don't give credit for because they want to, you know, build a certain narrative. Like Richie James, was pretty was pretty good at getting open but i know myers is a better route runner myers is more crisp with his routes he's definitely a better player than richie james i just don't know if it's like night and day it's definitely no one i'm even considering signing for 16 million that would that would be a devastating move that would show like 15 million dollar difference it's not a 15 million dollar difference yeah. between those two players right 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 so if that's the case and no one sees any upside at receiver outside of beckham he's gonna have a big market yeah and that's where i kind of i guess pull back yeah, a little bit sure. with the Odell beckham i'm just not sure i want to allocate that much money to a 30 year old wide receiver who has a lot yeah, of i'm money. with you on that by the way just for the record but again it's something that i think they could could explore rather than would or rather than would i want them to and i'm sure that odell will be open to it he would love to come back and play with uh, saquon barkley i mean they're, they're boys i mean i'm pretty sure they had like a social media interaction yes making making, making that claim too this is one of the big reasons I think it has a chance to happen. If they didn't re-sign Jones and Barkley and one of them walked, I don't think there was any chance that Beckham was coming back. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right. I think that's all we have on this breaking emergency pod for the Daniel Jones signing and the Saquon Barkley franchise tag. The numbers we have now at the beginning of this pod seem to be the numbers still. $160 million over four years, $82 million guaranteed right at signing, another $35 million available for Jones and incentives. Barkley currently on a $10.1 million against the cap franchise tag number. And that's what we have so far. Keep it locked and loaded on Big Blue Banter. More to come for sure. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.